It's time for the Full Out Cheer Podcast, brought to you by Dream Camps. Discussing all things cheerleading with some of the best industry influencers in the world. Welcome, welcome. This is Dan Cotton, and you are listening to the Full Out Cheer Podcast. I've been lucky enough to work with some of the best in the cheerleading industry over my years owning and operating Dream Camps. I realized I learned so much just sitting and listening to my staff talk that I wanted to share that experience with the rest of the cheerleading world. So I set out to sit down with my staff and do that. Just talk. So without further delay, let's get to it. Uh, it's Dan Cotton here at Dream Camps, and I am sitting down with probably one of my best friends in the world, uh, Chelsea Dunlap, and uh, she came down for just a day to visit, um, although she's been to Dream Camp many a times. Um, and since a lot of our listeners might not know who you are, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us what you're up to in the cheer world? Um, yes, my name is Chelsea Dunlap. I have always been in Oregon, and I coached for Dan Cotton um, at Oregon Dream Teams and been a part of this camp many a time, but I just recently switched to, uh, moved my life to Texas, and I'm currently coaching at Cheer Athletics Frisco. It's been a big change, and I'm really excited about where that part of my cheerleading coaching career has taken me. Um. So that's obviously a, a big and exciting change, and that's kind of a dream job for you, correct? Definitely. Um, so what, what's it been like? How, <laughs> how has the change been? Well, to say it's been different, it's been very, very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say, like, honestly, one of the biggest, the biggest differences that I see are that things are a lot more just fast paced for the season. Like, uh, the timeline for our season to me feels just a lot more like all the deadlines for everything are very, very early. Like typically, um, in Oregon, you know, or I, a lot of places I feel like we would get choreography in late summer mm -hmm. or like early, early fall. Yeah. And, and we start a choreography in, in June since we all do it in house. We just have those like very, those deadlines throughout the summer of elites are due, you know, by the last week of June, standing tumbling was due this week, which is the third week of July, um, running tumbling to do the next week and then pyramid and so on. And then, um, we start sections and full outs and blue debut is in October, which is earlier than a which lot of terrifying. Yeah. It's all just like a crunch, crunch time to blue debut. Cause you want to be hitting zero and you want to have your routine at least, ready to go on a competition floor as opposed to in Oregon where we do like our initial showcase in late November. Right. And compete the first time in, in December right. and us, it's like, we have to, not, you know, be bid ready December, like, or October, I mean, October. And then our first competitions in November, like we've been competing by the time we get to the first competition that we normally would be at right here. And just, just because it's, it's done more in-house. It just is a different process, mm -hmm. which has kind of been fun. Like in the gist of you like know your team really well. So you know their strengths and weaknesses as opposed to a choreographer coming in who you tell the strengths and weaknesses to, but like they might give you a routine that might not necessarily totally fit what, right. what you need for right. that season. So I've so loved it. So you're mid-choreography? Mid-choreography, Yeah. We've gotten through like standing tumbling, elites, and jumps for the most part. Okay. It's July 20th. So, 
it's felt very rushed and just different. Not necessarily rushed, like, because we're very prepared. That is the timeline. Right. Um, but we already, like, know who's doing our music. And you need to have, you know, by now picked the vibe of what your routine is and given that to your music producer. Mm. And that also feels very, very right. soon. Yes, very early for what um, I'm used to. I, I I thought of a question and now I there's something you said that uh, inspired me to be like, Ooh, I need to ask that. And then yeah. I forgot it. Um, oh, what, what is, uh, I mean, doing in-house choreography and you say you're kind of through elites and standing tumbling and things like that. Yeah. Um, what, what is the, the process or the approach for you guys um, at, at least with your teams or uh, with uh, chair athletics Frisco? Is it um, full out difficulty right now or is it uh progression based we know where we they, we want to get them but they're going to start here yeah um that's a good question basically we choreograph and like talk about the coaches and everything figure out what is going to be the summit ultimately you know nca or summit those big competitions that we're hopefully going to be successful at what what we'd want it to be by then and then we are very much a gym that focuses on the the watered down version so right now if it's gonna go stretch stretch pull bow and arrow on a tick tick sequence it's lip 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 right now um just to kind of get it in sequence in in sections but like the kids know what it's going to be and then like they work outside of practices like the flyers on flexibility and working on those body control things for what they know is going to happen like they know what body positions they're going to be pulling and what sequence that's going to be in to like like we're doing like a scale pull scorpion reverse of like what you normally would do like scorpion re-grab pull scale so like that was an interesting thing to like teach them and like they're not doing that in a stunt yet but they're doing it on the ground outside of that to try to like get used to it before that happens and I, I apologize to anyone listening and hearing me yawn. We're doing this interview rather late because we're on um, Dream Camps is on Camp Five, uh, day zero. So Very limited timeline. Yeah, we campers have going left on. at one, and then new athletes arrived at six. And uh, Chelsea was able to arrive around six, and so uh, it's now currently eleven fifty three p.m. Uh, after all of our staff wow. meetings Midnight. and everything, uh, and we're finally sitting down to talk cheerleading um but we love to talk cheerleading we do so love to talk cheerleading in fact it's too bad uh I, I think it would be entertaining for you and i to have like a just running recording i know of, of just like day. constantly so we talk about cheer all the time we do uh it's kind of our default all the things um, all the things all the things <laughs> um, we could literally talk about any subject and it would just go on and on and on yeah i i think we find it more entertaining than some people might but yeah, probably um, that's true so with doing the water, you guys said, like you said, you're at least, uh, Frisco does kind of the water, more watered down, like progressive yeah. approach. Um, is that to your knowledge? I know you've only been at CA for <clears throat> a few months. Yeah. Um, is that, uh, kind of a, a CA wide approach or is that just a f- more Frisco based Um, I think honestly, you know, Frisco is only, the gym is only 30 minutes, like 25, 30 minutes from the Plano gym. And since the Plano gym has the most athletes out of 
any of the CA gyms. I I think it just kind of depends on the coach's approach. Uh, I mean, CA, like the Plano gym has, you know, three times, four times as many teams as the Frisco gym. And I know I've heard, I haven't really experienced a ton of Plano um, coaches and practices. However, I've heard that some, some coaches there, you know, have a different approach where they uh, train from, from the time they choreograph it that that is just what it is, you know, so it's full difficulty. It is a summit ready routine um, that might not just be as clean and as, you know, getting those technique points uh, that you would necessarily want by blue debut in the first competition. But once they get it conditioned and they get it where they need it to be, it flips the switch really quick, which is a, a very different approach to what we do, which is at Frisco or at least with the coaches that I'm with at Frisco. Um, a very like clean first, like, so it is whatever they can hit, um, with very good technique. And if that means it's, Oh, yikes. There's mouse in here. <laughs> He's kind of cute though. Yeah. Over in the corner. Yikes. We're in the woods people. We're yeah. Woods. Lots of out in the wilderness. Okay. Well, <laughs> off track back on, <laughs> but I mean, we we go with a like if you can hit lib 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 better than you can hit stretch stretch pull over stretch that's what we're going to compete at the first competition versus i know some other coaches um especially in the plano gym they just you know they're used to winning everything all the time so they know they're going to get that bid no matter what if it's at the first competition or if it's at the third competition so they're just going to train what it's going to be from the get-go and those kids just like rise to the occasion right. and slowly, slowly grind that out until it's what it's supposed to be. So, um, I, having talked to some people from top gun and who've worked at a variety of yeah. larger locations, um, I've found that large or small, there are some things that are like the same, no matter what in cheer, you know? And, yeah. um, where there, uh, there, there's a lot of misconceptions, I think, coming from like the perspective of being a super small gym and you think that, uh, you know, oh, well, they're so lucky at XYZ gym because they don't have to deal with these crazy parents or they don't have to, because totally. they're uh, cheer athletics, they don't have to deal with uh, parents questioning their levels. Are you like funny? Those kind of things, <laughs> you know, like, but you hear that and you see yeah. people talk like, well, you wouldn't understand what it's like to be in that position with parents questioning you because you're a world championship right. program. Yeah. But, uh, were there any surprising things for you that were like that? Maybe you, you went in thinking wouldn't be that way and were actually just almost the same. Yeah, no, totally. And I, that's like such a good, such a good point because going, I, have only coached at D2 gyms my entire coaching career, you know, being in the Pacific Northwest and, I would say that I definitely had that same kind of like notion of, you know, like cheer athletics, they are successful. They, you know, they win a lot of competitions or they're in the top, you know, five to 10 teams, no matter how big or deep that division is like they, they have to do something right. And those, those parents, I'm sure trust the process and those kids trust the process. Like it's the phrase that we hear all the time is trust the process. Work is worth it. Like you would think that that, is what they live by there, um, being like one of the best of the best. But 
I honestly found the tryout process to be very, very similar to how we would do it in the Pacific Northwest. And I've like joked with a bunch of people over like, it's really, really, really the same. The kids, the kids necessarily don't, don't know where they would be placed best. And the parents don't always know like a realistic where their kid would have the most successful season, whether that's based on age or skill level, just mm -hmm. because since we have a little bit bigger pool of kids, it's very much placed off of age before skill. So if they're 11, they're still going to be on a youth team unless they're a like really, really needed in the stunt position on that next up junior team. Um, so I've joked that like cheer athletics breaks more hearts than I've been at other gyms, like in D2 where like they just, the parents are still upset. The kids are still upset, but it's just, they place them where they're going to be truly, truly successful. And if they, if they're upset by that, then it just is the way that it is, honestly. And they either get on board or they don't. And most kids, like you encourage them to come to the first practice and first few practices. And usually they see that all the kids that are there have the same skill set as them. So right. if they made a level one right. team, there might be a bunch of other kids on that team that are still working by handsprings with them, but their back handsprings still have their feet apart and their feet flex and they can't back walk over back, walk over back handspring on time with anybody else. And like, that's the stuff that those level two teams are working over and over and over and over and grinding in those practices. Mm -hmm. And they're just not quite ready for that level of intensity yet with those skills right so just because they have level two doesn't mean they are level two which we all know <laughs> but right. right um so since cheer athletics is somewhat new for you i don't want to spend all the time talking about that oh, totally, i think yeah. that there have been um i think there, that we've had some interesting conversations in the past that i think people could find uh interesting so uh, one of the things I want to talk about is, um, we, so I get a lot of credit for, and I don't, I don't ever try and take it, but I get a lot <laughs> of credit for something that you told me once, like it came up in a conversation yeah. and I yet now use it all the time. And I know a lot of other gyms have started using it too. Um, and I'm kind of curious it, so how, you even, how you even came up with it slash maybe you took it from someone else. What? Um, I'm so surprised. Okay. I'm you so probably don't even remember ready. that you were the one that came up with it, but, or that you were the one that said it. And it was kind of like, it was a mutual conversation. Okay. Um, but it plays into, uh, the next question I have for you. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about. Oh, that was a big spider. That just yeah. You were touching the spider. Um, <laughs> that's terrifying. Everyone is getting like the, they must think that we are in like the woods woods. We, I mean like we basically are, but we we're, are in a building and we're in a room, but it's like yeah. out in the wilderness. <laughs> so, um, there, we had a conversation and you, you made a comment that was, you can do three things in cheerleading. Oh, the triangle effect. Um, yeah, you can, uh, win mm -hmm. or be competitively successful. Maybe yep. you don't always win, but be like able to potentially win. You can have fun, uh, or you can be pushed within, uh, like pushed outside your level, pushed mm -hmm. to get new skills throughout the season and, and continue to be growing in skills, but you can only pick two. Yep. Right. You can only ever have two. So you can be successful and have fun, but you're probably going to not be pushed too difficult. Like in the skills you're performing in the routine, they're probably going to be skills you have. Yep. You okay. Can, leveled down. Yeah. yeah. You can, uh, you can win and be pushed outside your level, but you're probably going to have absolutely no fun because you're going to be 
grinding, grinding, yelled at. Yeah, practices are going to be hard. They're going to be brutal practices. Mm -hmm. And you can have fun and be pushed outside the skills that you currently have, but you're maybe not going to win as much. You're going to... Right. You're going to place a little bit lower and not be necessarily as successful. And you, we had this conversation. You were the one who kind of worded that. And I use it all the time now. Um, Really? I didn't even know that. Uh, I can't believe you didn't know that because it's like... No, I didn't uh, know that. Every parent meeting and... Wow, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. I've talked about it in um, other like live Facebook lives with next generation gym owners. and like. People now have it in their packets. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, was, where did you come up with it? What came, what brought that to you? Was it an original thought? Was (laughs) it uh, inspiration based? I mean, was it just what you learned? I mean, that's actually like a very interesting question and it actually came up. uh, I like, I have gone to a therapist or a counselor for like a lot of my life. Um, since I was a kid, my mom put me in that. And that's something that I like, I'm a very big supporter of just having like one person that you can talk to that's not biased. And, Mm -hmm. um, but that was something that her and I like came up with together where I was coming into, you know, sessions with her, just like so frustrated about like where I was with my teams or the parents and the kids and like just not being on the same page and like just so because parents can sometimes be very delusional as to where they might be. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, and she honestly suggested it as like, okay, like let's figure out, let's figure out like, like here's what I hear you saying, you know, and like took it from that of like, I hear you saying like they can do this, they can do this or they can do this, but they can't have all three things. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of came up with like slowly molded that and wrote that out as to what could they do and figure out how they could have to. Um, and she said she had originally suggested um, at the time I think I was coaching. I don't know a, t- a, t- a team that was like a little like struggled with some of those things. Like they they de- it was a team that definitely wanted all three right. and was frustrated that they weren't that they weren't being successful. But they if they had hard practices and that was an issue. But if but they all wanted they didn't want to level themselves down because they like but none of them also had the skills to be on the team yet. So practices were just practices were hard. And if they weren't pushed, then they were like not quite getting to where they needed to be, to be successful at competitions. And it just was a mess at the time. And, um, and she had suggested presenting that to the kids and the parents separately and seeing if the parents had the same input as the kids. Like if Mm -hmm. you could have these three, if these are the three options and you could choose two of them, what would you choose? Because most parents would probably choose that their kid is leveled up essentially, Mm -hmm. like where they are still maybe working on skills mentally. Like they can physically do them, but maybe not all the time. They can't do it after a 10, eight count stun sequence. And, um, or do them 10 out of 10 times, they can do them five out of 10 times. And so they'll choose that and winning. Like, and they'll say, well, you can still have fun. Like it's fun to win and all these things. And then if you give it to the kids, the kids would almost always probably say that they would like to win and be leveled where their skills are down because they like, they know that would equal, like they could have those two things. And, um, practices would end up being like, fun. you know, a little bit, it's not just that practices are fun. Like that's what I originally said, but it's more that practices are 
like like obviously you're gonna have a tough practice every once in a while but the sure, practices no aren't what. aren't miserable like they're right. not constantly being you know on that that one kid about all the like that you're not that kid that they're like on about not right. having the skills yet right. or not being consistent enough um and it's been something like that was a few years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I, I've definitely taken that with me and like tried to find the right way to word it. Um, and when I went to CA, I actually during our tryout process, like brought that up because it was very similar. Like I, like I just said before yep. that the parents and kids are just as like, everyone wants to level up. Everyone wants to like be at that next level. And it's like, okay, but if you're going to be successful, and you're going to be able to win. Like, people want to win. Like, it's like they, they can't have all the things. Like, right. you really, really want to win, but you also really, really want to be on the team that's a little bit, better like, a little bit better than where you're at right yeah. now, which that's your goal. That's awesome. But it might not be what's best for you, right? right? The second, because you're going to be miserable in those actual practices right. sometimes. So, like, trying to get them to understand, that's where that came from of, like, Yes, we all want all the things, but like we can't have all the things realistically at right. the same time. Um, but it was really cool because they actually like took on to that like at Frisco and um, a bunch of people used it in like our call of cats where like we call because we call every kid and tell them what team they made. And so on the phone with a parent or with a kid, mm-hmm. you don't know if they're going to react positively or negatively right. to your call um and obviously you're you're there to pump them up as much as you can and make it as exciting as possible but sometimes they're not um and that's where like we call it like at ca now we call it like the triangle effect and i struggled with a few calls and would call my boss and and he would say i just think you need to reiterate to them like like that triangle concept and and please like share that with them and tell them he's like i've used it on a few calls of Right. Of what would what would they choose if they could have only of those two? Right. Because that's where we've put them is where they're going to be, where they're yeah. going to feel good. And most parents want their kid to come out of practice feeling good. Yeah. And it's funny because how you say the parents will normally pick that um, because I, I talk about it at parent meetings mm-hmm. uh, before we do tryouts. Mm-hmm. And I always am like, which ones do you think that we prioritize here? Yeah. Like, how do you think we place teams? And they almost always say exactly that to be pushed outside their level and uh to win and to be successful that doesn't go they're not gonna they're not gonna have fun like they're gonna be miserable and your kid's not gonna want to do cheerleading anymore right they're gonna be burnt out they're gonna no one likes to be or have a or have a bad confidence like yeah it's it 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 almost counteracts the positives of cheerleading which is to build confidence and to create a fun and dynamic environment and an escape for these kids to go to and instead it's like now I'm going to work and I'm going to get yelled at because I'm not good enough. But at the end of the day, they're not good enough because we put them on the wrong team. Exactly. Like any kid that is struggling in our practices, like we chose, we, we had the power to put them where they were going to be able to feel good and be able to contribute and feel successful. That's a very like interesting position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of times coaches don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, well, this kid's struggling. They're not like ho- holding up their end of the, the deal. And and certainly there's kids that like do digress. Oh, definitely. Don't meet their expectations. But I mean, half the time you have to go back and look and, and take that extreme ownership of like, okay, this is my fault. Like, yeah, the, I didn't, I didn't set this kid up for success. I placed them in the wrong, on the wrong team, in the wrong level, mm-hmm. in the wrong age group. And now yes. this kid is on the struggle bus 
because of the decision I made. And we make that decision to make them happy a lot of times or to keep clients. Right. And because you care about the kid and that Mm -hmm. kid's been working so hard for that, you know, to become the next thing or the next level. And you want, you want that. I find myself wanting that for them as well. And then that not being actually where they can be as successful. And I've had a kind of, I mean, it's a very similar concept, but had to kind of check myself as a coach of yes. Like if a kid, if you place a kid there, like that was also your thing, but just in regular practices in general of, if I find myself, if I find, if I've been finding myself lately, like in my CA practices, like frustrated, like actually mad, like at a kid or at a, a situation, it's like, I'm clearly asking something that's too hard for someone. If I've right. given them, if I've given them a correction or tried to like really fix it, you know, four or five times, like that's on me. Like right. I'm getting, well, I'm, I'm getting angry that. at a kid and it's not their fault at all. Like, yeah. like they're clearly not ready for that yeah. yet. How I'm not breaking this down the right yep, way. I'm not breaking like, it down the right way. I didn't present it in the right way. I haven't given them the tools to be successful. So why am I mad? Like at them, they don't deserve that. You know, it's especially, I'm like, I've been working with the young ones, you know, they're youth age, they're nine, 10 years old. And And bless your soul. (laughs) Yeah. 23 of them. It's been a, been a real feat. I'm not lately. That's definitely not my forte. I can turn it on for like three or four days for a camp. I can like, I can Mm -hmm. cheese it up and do all those things, but man, it takes some mental energy, some some sainthood Mm -hmm. um, to do that. Um, but it doesn't have to like, that's what, like, that's where I'm, what I'm learning as I've never coached a youth team either. I've never coached a team under junior aged. Mm-hmm. So I never coached level one ever. So I, it's been a very like interesting, like youth level one and there's a full 23, like one alternate and a 22 small team, um, a full small team. And like, if I give them realistic goals, they're at that age where all they want to do is please me. All they want to do is have me say that they did a good job. Right. So if I'm giving them those tools to like make sure that the, what I'm asking that practice, like I lately have been using a whiteboard and writing down our top three goals for practice. Mm-hmm. And then we have like a list of competition ready skills because they all have back walkover. Every single one of them on the team is a back walkover, but is it competition ready? Can you do it on the same time as everybody else? Can you, whatever, um, can you do your legs straight pointed toes? Can right. you do three in a row? like to an eight count track, not with us counting. So like we write down their names and those types of things, but, and they're so excited if they get their name written down, but it's like, I'm not there to punish the kids that don't yet. You know, it's like, you all have the skills to be here, but now it's just trying to find those little, little incentives for them to feel like they did a good job. Right. Cause that's it really. Like if I'm saying every single one of you needs to have straight legs and pointed toes today, a lot of kids are going to feel really disappointed. And that's on me, not right, on them. Because I haven't shown them how to have their legs straight. Taught them how to do it. Yeah. Drilled it, you know? Exactly. So shown them the importance of, of what it of what it does to our score if they yeah. choose to do that, like with their body. Like I see that uh, a lot with with coaches that kind of just go, Well, I told them to do it. Well, great, but that doesn't being a good coach doesn't mean you know how to tell someone to do something. Exactly. You teach them, right? Mm-hmm. You you break it down. And that's one of the most impressive things about working with people like, like Jordan Hearn or Sean Guzman. Yeah. Guzman. That's how you pronounce it, I believe. Guzman. Uh, <laughs> and, I don't know that you know, either. Uh, all these other amazing coaches that I get to work with through camp is 
they just have such an attention to, okay, um, let's back it up Mm -hmm. and let's break down this very minute portion of it because that's the problem you have. And so I'm going to teach you how to do that. And then it's going to fix the issue. And it's so impressive to see. Exactly. I love that. I love watching Sean and Jordan, all those people. Cause it just like, it just triggers your brain of like, wow, I can break that down more than I thought I could. Yep. Or if I just fix this one thing, it's going to actually translate to all these other things. It's like, uh, if you ever play the game, uh, you know, on, on how to provide clear instructions and you go, okay, um, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take a piece of paper and you're going to write down, uh, steps for making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. Tell me how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then you take those pieces of paper and you follow the steps that Mm -hmm. they give you. And oftentimes if it's not, and if it's not clear, you just kind of do whatever. Right. So, um, take bread. Okay. So you take the bag of bread. All right. Put uh, peanut butter, jelly, peanut butter on one side, jelly on the other. Okay. Well, you put it on the bag, right? Didn't ever say take the bread out of the bag. Right. Right. I mean, just those little things where. Yeah. Small stuff that you don't think about. That you don't think about. That you think is, you think is natural just because you've, you've either done it or been doing it or been teaching other kids and they've gotten it or whatever. Or you understand that step already. Exactly. Right. You know, so it's like, and especially with those youth kids where you're saying things like use your legs or squeak. Right. They have no idea what use your legs means. Like, how do I use them? And like on what count? Right. You know, they ask all these questions that I'm like, think that are so common knowledge. And then like, well, you said, like you said to spread my hands out, but like how many fingers need to be, you know, in places. And I'm just like, just be under the foot. foot. (laughs) Stop moving your legs and hold the foot. You know, it's just sometimes like I, you learn to be a very, very good teacher with the youth kids for sure. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked everyone else. Oh Lord. Okay. Um, It's the loaded question. Okay. So excited. It's in, it's a good one. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Um, it is, if you could snap your fingers today and oh. change one thing about our industry, oh. what would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. I have so many. <laughs> Let me narrow it down. Hold on. Mm. If you have to do a top two, you can. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm just one of those, you know, you know, obviously, because we talk about it all the time. I'm one of those people that reads like every single ASGA post. I read like every single thing I can about cheerleading and other people's opinions and why they feel that way. Because I want to just be educated in the way that I feel and why I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just like so such a good question. I mean, there's a lot. There's so many things, Daniel. Oh, okay. I would say I hate it when she calls me Daniel, just so everyone's aware. You say you hate it. Oh yeah, you know this. Yeah, but I haven't stopped. Nope. In like the six, five years I've known you. Oh, okay. But to be to be honest, I call everybody by like their full name. Yeah, no, I know. It's like if their name is Sammy, I call them Samantha. So you're yes. Dan, so I call you Daniel. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, makes me think I'm in trouble. Daniel Cotton. Yeah, exactly. That's what my that's what my mom would say. That's what I say because you are always in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I would say. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's interesting that there are big for-profit brands that 
like run the entire industry. So I mean, like obviously varsity is one mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. but also USASF is one of them. So like the they're fact- technically a not for profit, technically. <laughs> but the, but they put on the cheerleading world. They put on like the one of the biggest competitions. Correct. Of the year. Correct. So like I find that kind of just interesting. It's not like I find it like I totally would want to dismantle that completely. But some like they determine every single rule like Mm -hmm. USASF determines every single rule and age grid for our entire and which has been a huge issue the age grid has been a huge debacle over the last year and that is still a competition company like still an event producer right which is interesting like in some not just they're not just the governing ruling rules they also host yes yeah and require coaches to be credentialed and like right. like go extra steps beyond any other competition company in the entire yeah <laughs> set of yeah. them like you don't have to be credentialed to go in the warm permit summit but you do at worlds for just one level you know which is yeah. to me very interesting like i totally agree it was super interesting at worlds this year to have uh i appreciate that they've had these uniform guidelines in place for or these appearance guidelines in place for yeah them. Four years, and they are never enforced. Ever. 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 Um, but they were finally, like, cracking the whip at Worlds. Mm-hmm. And, like, no, you have to have, you have to wear something over your uniform. Like, get some, you I got a shirt pops, on. Like, do all, mm-hmm. Doing all that stuff. Uh, taking appropriate photos. Like, not yeah. practicing. Don't be crazy at the All-Star Resort. Yeah, not being crazy at the All-Star. Not walking around in sports bras. Uh, yeah. you're at a specific practice. And, like, okay, kudos. And then the summit happens at the same location. <laughs> four days later yep with for two weeks seven, in a row with seven-year-olds mm-hmm. seven to the same age or seven 18 same i guess age. and no rules no rules like wear whatever you want no cover-ups no no curfew no curfew no anything and, and like i mean i was at world's you know, at the same time as you were and like midnight came and though you were, they were on it. That was curfew. Like you yeah. could not be at that resort <laughs> at all star at right. least. So we're going to, we're going to go ham and like protecting these the 14 year olds. Up, yeah. 13, 14 year olds. Um, and then when we have our truly most vulnerable population, we're going to go, yeah. it's a, it's all good. Like, but it's a different company. So right. it like, it's that just, just so different. Weird to me. Yeah, no, it is because technically like since it's those three weekends in a row, world summit summit, world summit D2 summit, um, it essentially like is the same competition back to back to back. Yeah. It's ran like varsity versus USASF mm-hmm. and it just USASF finally cracked a whip and then varsity just is varsity. Right. With now, those I mean, types of things. And I think we've talked about this before, but how like silly it is that varsity is like, Oh, well, we're protecting the athlete safety by making sure no one goes in the warm up room if they're not, greenlit background check yeah okay well tell me when a kid has ever been assaulted in the warm-up room like you still you can still coach them at their gym and like there are coaches who can't get a back pass a background check or and and they can still be usasf members and they can still compete at varsity and usasf events which is crazy that honestly is one thing i know we've talked about so many times but if you if you are not green, Chelsea talks with her hands. I know. So, so I keep hitting the, hitting microphone, the microphone and the cords and everything. If it messes up my sound, cause I talk literally like a flailing human, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you, if you, if you're not green lit by varsity, you should not be able to coach in a, in a gym that like 
that goes yeah. to varsity competition. If I mean, aka any gym, you should not be able to coach all star cheerleading. Yeah. I, like, I guess maybe, maybe, like I could see the see the reasoning in coaching maybe classes. Sure. And I, I think that maybe they need to look at uh, more than just a, a green and red and maybe a green, orange, red. Cause there are a lot of people or who green, can't get yellow, a green light. Red. Yeah. Green, yellow. Um, because there's a lot of people who can't get a green light because they got arrested with marijuana when they were 18. Right. And I get, I get there's like a, like, there's reasons you can't get green lit for varsity that are USA staff technically that, that are not necessarily mean they're a danger to children. Yeah. Like, or, or like that it makes them ineligible to coach in like most people's right. eyes. So I do, I do understand like guest tiers maybe be yeah. a good way to do that of like but yellow, if, but if you USASF, can coach in the gym, but you need to be green to still go to be USASF okay. USASF pulls your certification and says, no, you're, you're being, you know, you're disciplined and you can't, you lost your certification. Then you probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't be able to coach. Cause I mean, I've seen people who don't, aren't USASF certified mm-hmm. and they literally just don't go in the warm up room. And then they're standing at the front of the stage for their team's performances. Right. No, totally. And then still go backstage and greet their kids. They just don't go in the warm up room. Right. It's like the, the, what are we protecting? The regulation is not, the warm up room is not where the regulation should be set. Right. Yeah. So it's a, that is definitely a debatable concept. 100%. It's, it is tricky because of those, because of the, the simple things that do get you that red light on USA stuff that, I, I, cause I, I feel very strongly that anything related to any child, like any, any, any child crime or violence crime right. or you should be done. Yeah. Um, but some of those, some of those drug ones, especially when you're young and I mean, marijuana is legal in Oregon. Right. Right. I mean, si- since then have been, become <laughs> not a crime, right? you know, those things are very, very debatable on being, are they, are they endangered mean children by coaching competitive cheerleading? Probably, right. maybe not. Right, exactly. Like, I mean, it, honestly, like calling a spade a spade, if every coach that ever smoked marijuana was, <laughs> could not be greenlit, I don't know if we'd have more right. than 50 coaches in the industry. Exactly. I, I think I'm one of the few who's never smoked marijuana at all. Yeah, I think you're definitely I'm an anomaly. I'm an anomaly. Yeah. I mean, and that's it, like, okay, well, you experimented in high school, so no green light. Right. Got caught experimenting yeah, in high caught, school. Right. Not because you did it, but because you got caught. And mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. And that's just a weird concept. No, I feel like right. we derailed because you were talking about what you would change is how there's like these for-profit entities controlling the industry. And then we kind of got into a safety tangent, No, totally. which if you've ever hung out with me and Chelsea talking about cheerleading, Uh, this is literally tangent central. Yeah. I mean, varsity is like a whole nother conversation. I feel like I, I think they do. So I'll weigh in and say, I think they do a lot of things. Well, I I don't necessarily, I'm not here to like just bash varsity because I don't, I, I agree. I don't think they do a lot of things badly. I just think it's interesting from the time that I cheered. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm 28. So I cheered 10 years ago was like my, you know, last year of competitive cheerleading where we went to a bunch of competitions throughout the season and they weren't all varsity events. 
you know, it was before varsity was the takeover and all be all it was before the summit. It was before mm-hmm. they had really done those things. And I didn't know varsity competition from a jams competition from a, someone else's random competition, mm-hmm. you know, a GSSA or, a, right. um, anything else. And, and granted, like they all had different score sheets. So I remember that being very Super tough. Annoying. So, you know, we had to, for PacWest, we had to change our routine because they required different dismounts out of pyramids than a varsity score sheet did. Right. So, so I do think there are positives to like being on one score sheet, like that, Huge that is spot. very universal yeah. for the most part. I get there are still other competition companies that are out there and people still go to competitions but that most of them use the varsity score sheet or they're very or very, very, very close. Right. Um, they might still use their own like jam still uses their own. No. They pretty much use the varsity score. But it's very, I'm pretty sure it's very similar. Yeah. Maybe. At least for like youth chair, they use a different one still. Definitely youth. Yeah. Definitely youth, um, I believe. But like, so being on one cohesive score sheet where like your routine doesn't have to change throughout the season to be successful. Right. Is nice. Mm-hmm. Is very, very nice. Yeah. Um, to know what to expect and to be able to coach your kids yeah. to like what is expected of them is very, yeah. very convenient. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of that. And you know, the, the weird thing about the varsity thing is for me, sometimes I I think gym owners maybe have a different perspective than coaches on some things, but for me, it's the varsity concept of, I don't always feel like varsity is, is doing their utmost to help me make like money or grow. Yes. And I feel like it's kind of this, like, I'm just going to keep, uh, trying to get blood from that turnip. I was like, they're, they're there to make money and they're there to make the most money possible. And I, I just feel like sometimes it feels kind of short sighted of mm-hmm. going, okay, but you make more money if I make more money, right? If I have more kids, if the sport grows and mm-hmm. I have, I go from having, um, and not that I do, but if I have a micro program of 20 kids mm-hmm. and now I go to a hundred, mm-hmm. that's good for everyone. Kind right? of, honestly, I mean, like, I, I definitely see that, but I also see it from their perspective as, like, that makes longer days of their competitions. That means they have to pay their judges more money to be there for a longer amount of time. They're security guards. They're right. sure. whatever. Like, they're, they're making plenty of money from, like, what they're charging you. Mm-hmm. They don't really care if you bring... If you, if you brought, if every well, single right. gym brought 10 more teams to that competition, that makes that day so much more, right. so much longer right. for 100%. everyone. And they're right. Like you said, they're making their money, but the problem is if they're making, if they're making their money, but the industry is dwindling or getting smaller. That's true. Right. right. And gyms are closing and not being successful. But do you feel like that is like really happening in a, in a, in a, in a very real way? There's a lot of gyms. I mean, in a big enough way that varsity would care. Not yet. Yeah. But and that that's more what I'm saying is like I don't feel like it's a big enough problem for them yet. They're getting paid plenty. Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't they know. don't care if you're bringing however many teams, especially now like I know. I, that. I mean, do I fully like when when they made the whole hey, we want to like encourage gyms to make larger teams. Yeah. I was like, "Yep. That it's makes smarter sense. for you too." Right. And that's I mean, you know, we've yes. argued about this before. I mean, Less argument now. Less argument now, but we've argued about it before. We have, yes. Um, where I'm a big proponent of big teams. Yes. I try to. I mean, if I had my druthers, I would be in a D. I would be a D two gym with five medium teams, which is so profitable. 
for which, you, which is much better for me as a gym. I can spend more money on choreography. Yes, I can. That's like that's where those big things. I can come do in. more things for my kids mm-hmm. because I'm I'm spreading that cost across right thirty kids as opposed to I'm sp- spreading a cost across nine. And most choreographers, right, and most things in the industry cost what they cost right paying for music and choreography with with nine kids versus 29 kids is obviously totally different totally different because you can charge the same 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 technically the same amount or a similar amount that you would for 29 kids as you would for nine kids and then you're making that money back to the gym yep or paying for paying for two coaches yes with 30 kids Mm -hmm. is less like coaches fees when they're spread, spread out over that are, many kids. Like, and so it allows you to drive your costs down to your parents if you want. Like you could lower costs, still make a profit, still pay your competition fees, or you can make more money and then you can buy more equipment. You can hire more staff. Exactly. And I mean, like granted, the reason we fought about it was because to me, to make those teams, you want to make them profitable and I want to make them successful at the time. Right now we're kind of like more on the board. We're like, I'm like, yes, it's like the profitable. And you are like, yes, let's make them successful. And we kind of come to a common ground where like you would want them to be successful and kind of with the, you know, the triangle thing of like leveling them where they all want to be leveled. And I'm like, okay, we can have a medium team where only 10 of them tumble. So like at the level comfortably. So like we need to either make a team of 16 instead of 26 Mm -hmm. so that we can be very, very competitive and, you're looking at it. Well, 16 isn't as profitable. And I'm like, okay, well then they're going to be level three instead of level four. Thanks. Bye. Right. And, and <laughs> totally. And I, I think that, you know, and we've had that debate over and over on like being a, being a D2 gym in a cutthroat mm-hmm. area where if I go, okay, well, you're, you have a, you have a layout. It's okay. And you standing have tuck a, lands you have a standing tuck that 70% of the time. Exactly. And you have these skills but I'm going to put you on a level two or a level, like, let's say I don't have a level three. Because of their age, yes. Which is where a D2 gym struggle for sure. And I, so I don't have that for you. So now I'm going to put you two levels down and then the gym down the street says, well, we'll make a team of six people and you can be level four. Yep. Then they leave. And, you know, I think I've grown with, as, as I've focused on making my gym make money, through wreck tumbling and mm-hmm. teams tumbling and other avenues. So I'm not as dependent and on all-star and classes and those and, kind of things yeah. um, that has made me less dependent on like, I need that body because that $150 a month is going to make a difference right. in my ability to pay bills. Um, as I've moved away from that, I think that's open doors, but I know that for a lot of gyms, that's, that's what's so scary. Cause they're like, okay, well if I lose five kids and I have 25 kids, that's, you know, that's 20% a of, my percent of their income. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm dead, you mm-hmm. know, and well, they're also program suddenly isn't going to be successful. They can't field the teams that they wanted to field originally. Right. And right. yes. So it's like that, it's that double-edged sword, but I, I'm a huge fan of, and uh, you know, I've talked to other gyms and advised other gyms, um, you know, they, they decided to close due to some owner things, but I worked with the gym in Washington. Yeah. And when I first talked to them, they were like, well, we have seven teams. And I go, well, how many kids? Well, we have 45 kids. And I was like, like, wow, so like, what, why, how okay. I was like, so you have like, are those, some of those teams are like all crossovers. And they were like, yeah, we have two teams. So like everyone crosses from another team. I was like, do, do they pay like they're a whole new human? Well, no, they pay, they just pay for competition fees. And I'm like, 
to losing. Like, like you're not making any. Yeah. And, and the kids are tired and exhausted. I mean, like that's a whole nother discussion of like crossing <laughs> over crossovers and just in general doing and multiple teams and, mm-hmm. and a I, lot of gyms choose to go to competitions where you can't have crossovers and right. And I, I'm, or just like the summit rules in general of only being on cross one level right. and it just makes things complicated. I'm not against crossovers. I don't mm-hmm. think they're a horrible thing, but I think we've talked about it before where I think you should only have, if you cross over, then the next year you shouldn't. Like if you oh, do two teams one year, concept. I don't think the second year, like I think the next year you should take it. You're just doing one yeah, because you burn out. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're just, coming to the gym five nights a week. Right. I mean like, and I've always been, I've always been, you know, this one thing where we've also kind of butted heads a little bit because I've always been a very big advocate of crossovers. If a kid wants to, especially right, right. like if a kid mm-hmm. loves being at the gym and they want to be on the level that we place them on and they also want to be on the level below that, like that's only going to help that team that's right. below that. Absolutely. Um, but I do understand the concept of it being um, a little bit overwhelming and especially during competition season being a lot on that kid. Yep. Um, God, I just keep hitting this microphone. But um, at Cheer Athletics, we have zero crossovers, like not a single one. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't imagine the like level of commitment that would have to be to have crossovers on the teams like that we have just because what we require from them in regards to like homework outside of practices and just like the level of intensity during practices, like it it would be too much on those kids if they were on multiple teams, right? especially because they're leveled where they like to be very, very successful. Mm -hmm. The like amount of reps they do during their practices is just, I mean, astronomical compared to like what I'm used to, but it's because they can, uh, the level four team can throw 10 standing tucks on every line, you know, and be fine. Right. Like that's just because they, they, they're not just getting that standing tuck. They didn't just get it three weeks before they made that team. They're not still in that process of grinding out. They've mastered that skill. So do you guys have alternates on any of your teams? Um, only we do we didn't place them like that mm-hmm. so i mean we technically yes we did like my level one my youth level one team has 23 kids and was placed with 23 knowing that we were only going to compete 22 i mean most of the time teams placed like that would probably one kid would filter out in some capacity either go to a different gym after placements because they weren't happy with what they made or an right. injury or just quitting due to it being too intense or something so far all 23 have stuck it out so we've been talking lately about like we have no idea we have not we have not placed an alternate because we thought it would filter out naturally and it hasn't um but there are some we've been getting some inquiries Mm -hmm. lately of kids like joining late and no just like in the gym in general so there are like my youth level one and the youth level two are both full. Like they both have 22 or 23 kids and our one already has an alternate. Like the youth level two already has an alternate and they're, but the youth level two is medium. So they have 31 kids on their team already. Oh, wow. So anyone that comes in, that's like that youth age right now, we either choose like, do we push them to a junior or do we right. put them as an alternate on one of the, we only have youth level one and two this season. So um, if they're youth age, that's, and both teams are full. So 
do you field a new team? Do you? Yeah. Do we, do we, do we push them? The problem with pushing them to junior, if they're not a flyer is they become that, what we call the tumble cat, you know, they're, and that's the worst. And that's the worst. I, I, we've, no, did we fight about it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like, and I like really didn't want to have extras that weren't in groups. And there was a period of time where you were like, there was a period of time where I, you were a fan of it. Yes. It was, it was when the score sheet was very much a, um, by the time, if you have a fourth person, you yeah, have to build you, a group. Then you had so, to build another group. So it was like, no, let's have those three extra people. Yeah, so I was very much, pyramids, yeah, I was very much a fan of building teams of 15 right. because you could have three solid sunk groups, but still build four sunk groups for your pyramid. Right. Um, and I mean, not I, even I, I get, person, but that meant you had three extras. And for I the get most where you were coming from with that, but those three extras were those three extras. It was definitely, I mean, I'm at the point now in my life where from my coaching career where we were doing a disservice to those, to those extra kids who, yeah, cause what do you work on the most at practice? You work on the elites. You work on those stunts. You work on stunts the most at practice. So the kids that are not involved in those main elite stunts and are just your tumble cats, as we call them, like it, the tumble cats don't, they don't get that same. They don't feel a part of the team. They no. don't feel as valued. Yeah. They don't. And what do you do? I mean, I, at our gym, you know, we have two coaches mm-hmm. and so it's like, okay, go tumble. Right. Like go tumble. And I mean, honestly, even with three, like, yes, there's people to work with. Well, I'm, I'm just trying not to speak cause I don't know your program. No, I know. Right? And like, and, and we honestly, we didn't place very many of those. Cause honestly, we try really hard, like on a team of 22, mm-hmm. like we're having five sound groups. Right. So there's only going to be two kids, even though we only need four on the varsity score sheet. We're going to do five. We're, we're trying to max that difficulty. Yep. We're trying to it's you know, that visual win. Right. It's that visual. Right. Of like, like we have 23 kids on the floor, 22 like, kids on the floor. We we're putting five cents in the yeah. air. We're going to put that. We're going to show that all these people are going up. Totally. Right? And that's, that's that overall impression yep. side. And that's, that's how, how you get that five. That's how you win on difficulty. It's how you, yep. Get the overall impression. It's how you get routine composition. It's how yep. you get routine comp and overall impression. Honestly, creativity. Like those are the, you can ripple you more win. with fives exactly. and four, like better ripples. Yep. Oh, the ripples ripple for days. Everyone loves a good ripple. Everyone loves a good ripple. Share it's followed. true. Hashtag trademarked. Yeah. I mean, she fought for it for years. Uh-huh. I, uh, for those that don't know, Cher Fuller was my co-coach on our level five team. And uh, she choreographed a, she choreographed a ripple into our Every team. year. Three years. <laughs> and I took it out all three years because we didn't have Not time. Not the last year, right? Well, the, she, I, I'm pretty sure we coached together four. So the and last year last she got her year, ripple. She was like, it is my last year coaching. I'm getting my ripple. And like, they had like seven sun groups. So, I mean, rippling a group of seven is just so visually appealing yeah. if you can do it right. And we did it with science. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, no, we did double ups with science. Like, so she got her ripple. Yeah. And then I did a bunch of ripples last year and she was really mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, everyone loves a good ripple. So Facts. everyone loves a good ripple. It's like my favorite when you can spell out something. Yep. V A N I T Y. Oh, when you have six. Oh, perfect. Well, um, believe it or not, we've talked for 55 minutes. Wow. Made it to an hour. I told you everyone goes for an hour. No problem. And you never, it's not even like you run out of stuff to say. No, because we can Uh, tell talk about so many things. And 
Honestly, I'm kind of pulling the plug because it's 1245. Oh my God. It's, yeah, it is. It's 1243. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I got to get up early and, you know, run a camp and you got to drive. I have to drive. So yes, we need to go to sleep. Um, yeah. Sleep is in my near future. I could just sleep on this microphone. Um, yeah, I haven't touched so, it enough. Uh, you have touched it enough. You <laughs> beat it up. Um, so one of the things I've always given everyone a, a chance to do is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, hopefully a lot of coaches, a lot of owners, a lot of people out there in the cheer world listening to us chatting, uh, whenever this gets released and, yes. um, any parting words of wisdom for those, uh, for those coaches who might be listening or, or words of wisdom or words of encouragement or just anything you would want to put out there to the cheer verse. Wow. Yeah. So many things. I mean, I just, I think the biggest thing that I've adapted, like in my coaching career that now I, um, as I talk to people who are just coming up through the cheer world or that, like the question I like get the most is like understanding a score sheet. And I feel like the more that you're educated and understand a score sheet, the like better everything possibly will be with your routine and your success of just of knowing like how many points are in play really, you know, everyone's going to try to get into high range. Then once you're in high range, how many points are really left that you're working with? And like, what are you going to do in your routine to truly show that you did it just a little bit better Mm -hmm. than everybody else? Know the score sheet. Know the score sheet. Know the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Know your safety rules. Nobody wants a one point deduction for, having something illegal in there, especially with the, now all the USA stuff video sending in oh my gosh, it's so easy. that you can get everything that approved. Was a great, great and change. That was a great change. Um, yeah. No, but knowing to play the score sheet, knowing how to play the score sheet for your team, not just like, that's the thing is like, it's yes, I know how right? to play the score sheet changes, but how am I gonna, how am I going to play it for this particular group of kids? Right. You know, I've been coaching a prep team, right? So they max the 4.5 for difficulty. Right. So, Really, and and really, let's talk about a mini prep. I coach a mini prep. Are they going to be able to get a, like they max at a 4.5. So they're going to be able to get a 4.5 on difficulty for stunts? Probably not. Right. Like they're, my flyer is five years old. So getting her to just do what I need her to do in general, not going to be there. However, on the prep score sheet, there's still 2.5 in creativity for stunts and pyramids. Mm -hmm. So... That's where I'm going to go. Right. 100%. She can't even spell her name. So you might, it might be hard to get her to do. Exactly. Like, yes, like we all want to max difficulty and then tech and then creativity and routine comp. What I'm going for is with a mini prep level one, this particular mini prep level one, I'm going to max creativity. Like I want a 2.5 on stunts and pyramids because I might get a 4.2 or three in difficulty. Mm -hmm. And then I want my routine comp to be high right because those point ones are in creativity and routine composition where other prep mini teams are running flailing around on the floor to get from formation to formation and mine take one step with their arms by their sides because i didn't make my routine crazy Mm -hmm. is where they're going to make up for that me not being able to get them to necessarily be the hardest hitting routine yeah or like another routine i'd go as hard as I can in difficulty because I know I can teach the tech for the, right. for that particular right. routine. Yeah, that's good. I totally agree, obviously, but <laughs> I also encourage people uh, always consult the score sheet. 
a lot. Yeah. If you think you know it, you're wrong. Double check. Double check. Check your numbers. Over and over. I can tell you how many times mm. I've been thought I needed this many jumpers and there was an injury or there was a, uh, I switched, you know, cause I really wanted that last tumbler to go at this time. Oh, so I took one person one out of this jump formation cause I thought I had enough and then I didn't have enough. And those, those every point one matters. Yep. I did that on baskets with, uh, with vanity two, two years, years ago. ago. I remember that oh, first comp. I went hurt. I was like, we should have got a five on difficulty. We got a four. Especially on a, on a, mm. on a section of the score sheet where you get an automatic it's five, if you beat the five. criteria, <laughs> we literally would have won if we'd done that, but we right. didn't. So, um, well, Hey, thanks for, thanks for sitting down. Thanks I'm sure we'll do this me. again. Um, cause, uh, believe it or not, those of you that are listening, we literally talk like this every day. Every um, day about maybe training. not as structured. I actually like the podcast format. I know. Wow, we never talk this like back and forth and professional. Like professional, yeah. It's it sometimes gets a little more heated. And, uh, <laughs> I ask getting heated on this would definitely happen at some point. Yeah, uh, it tends to get a little bit more heated sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes it's uh, not heated at all. But so no. it's a good back and forth with. Uh, I feel like we've kind of grinded out a lot of the heat. The heating, the heated areas. It's where we think very much, yes. very similarly now. Very similarly. Yeah, we coached together for a couple of years, which most people don't know. Yeah. Um, and we grinded through a lot of that. And ended, ended slightly contentiously, um, not agreeing on some things, and but then <laughs> decided to focus on the fact that we just both are really passionate about cheerleading and, yes. and hash those things out. And, um, you know, we're both not just passionate about cheerleading, but passionate about kids and, and yeah. what cheer does for kids. And so definitely, know, when you, when you put uh, people with a strong love for something together, <laughs> they, they aren't always going to agree. No. Um, well, thank you. Uh, thanks for being here. Good luck in Texas. We'll have thank to check you. in um, and see how things are going. Maybe, uh, I was going to say closer to blue debut or post blue debut be able to speak, uh, with all the stress, Pre, I so know. we should probably do post. But post, but let's do yeah. a post blue day. And like, let's cross are. our fingers that all three of my teams have hit, hit zero and yeah. look hit. competition ready. Hit so you feel really good. <laughs> yes. Um, and aren't like, okay, I wonder if I'm gonna have my job in two weeks. Uh, yeah, you'll be fine. I <sighs> can do it. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right. Well, thank you for listening. And um, if people are looking to find you to get in touch, if they want to like pick your brain or maybe schedule you for clinics or anything totally. like that. How would people find you like social or sure? I mean, what, how would someone get in touch with you if they wanted to? Yeah. I mean, my name is Chelsea Dunlap, so it's definitely not on Facebook, Instagram. It's at Chelsea re that's, so that's like C H E L S E A R E E E E E. It's five E's. It's been that forever. So yeah, I don't see that changing. I mean, it's cdunlap at cheerathletics.com if you want to email me. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you. And uh, we'll see you all when you tune in next time. Ayo. See ya. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Dream Camps or any of our guests, contact us at info at oregondreamcamps.com. 